0: everybody. It's your guy, Dave Neal. This is the SAP. This is a solo episode. As most of you know by now, In the last several months, most of the Saps episodes have been solo. It's not for any sort of bad reason. Tasha and I are doing great. It's just we moved and we don't have a dedicated podcast studio. I've got my YouTube empire for those that are watching on the Patreon. Hello. And for those in the audio world listening, you know, I've got this uh, little kind of system I'm building up here. I've got uh, new monitors coming in and jumbo doodad buttons and different things I'm pressing. Things that you might not... Uh, realize on your end of things, but they're making my life a lot easier here. So uh, that's the upgrade to life. As we sort of emerge from a black swan event, as we emerge from a global pandemic, we're starting to, um, I don't know, maybe find new efficient ways to do things, understanding what wasn't working, ditching the old, starting with the new. I mean. You know, I always love New Year's Day. I always love the idea. Well, you know, usually you're hungover, but I love the idea that you're going to sort of work towards a new goal. Try to get better at yourself in different ways. I think Memorial Day weekend is a good time for that too because it's kind of like the unofficial start to the summer. So it's like, all right. First two, you know, almost first half of the year's over. Isn't that crazy to say? But, you know, we're working towards, all right, how can I finish 2021 strong? I know it's insane to think like that, that we're trying to wrap up 2021. But by the time you get whatever you're working on now off the ground, we're going to be looking at Thanksgiving, folks. This is it. The time's moving faster. That's how it works. The longer you're alive, the shorter the minute becomes. It's the law of relativity. Look it up. Uh, so the point, you know what I mean? It used to be forever between your birthdays and now like I just celebrated two birthdays in the same quarantine. What's up with that? So anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's about, uh, it's about constantly looking at what you're doing and sort of trying to readjust. And I think the pandemic's done just that. And, you know, unfortunately one of the casualties of the pandemic, you know, and of course I say this all with a grain of salt. I understand the true kick. Casualties of the pandemic are people that lost loved ones, or have you know uh, lost their jobs, and this and that. There's plenty of um, plenty of true casualties, but from a workflow standpoint, one of the casualties of the pandemic has been the in-person interviews with this podcast. But I have to tell you, there is something nice about not stressing out every time we have a guest come over. Which, by the way, I wouldn't. I could care less. But Tasha. You know, she's, she's like most people, you know, if you're in a relationship or you're listening, you know, usually one or one person in the relationship is the one who's like dusting underneath the couch and like, you know, you know, trying to clean off the champagne glasses you're not going to use. And it's like, we don't need the place, you know, we're not like room raiders isn't showing up. Right. But you know, that's, that's just kind of how it works. It's good. It's good that I've got her to want all of the baseboards cleaned and this and that, you know, not to say I'm like a slob or anything, but it's nice to have somebody who's a little bit more detail-oriented where I'm kind of someone who's just getting five different things done at the same time. But, you know, uh, you know, we compliment each other in a good relationship, I think, does. You compliment each other in different ways. But, yeah, it's been actually pretty nice on my end. I'd love to hear from you guys. I'd love to hear your, your honest critique uh, of of what you want the podcast to be and where you want it to go because I like doing solo episodes. I like sitting down... Getting my notepad out, talking to you guys. That to me, that's that's fun. Uh, but I don't know if you're getting too much of me. I don't know if if I'm annoying you too much. Uh, but we'll get we'll get Tasha back on, and we'll have guests relatively soon. in the In the studio that I'm in now, it's our second bedroom of this new place. I got to first of all, I got to tell you, leap in the net will appear. It has been a fantastic. I mean, I can't imagine not doing what we did. I, I we're our leap of faith was. You know they say you know a leap in the net will appear. Boy, the second we leapt, we that we just there was a giant man with big arms ready to catch us. We could just we knew right away it was the right move, the the absolute right move. And uh, so if if you if anyone's um toying with an idea of taking a leap of faith, just know if you've done all the work to prepare yourself, the only thing holding you back is you and your fears of what's unknown. But in most cases, the reward far exceeds whatever that fear was. And for us, you know, doubling our rent and, and trying some different things while on the surface, it is not the best financial decision in the bigger picture. We've opened up ourselves to a greater revenue. It's almost like, it's almost like I was telling Tasha this, you know, cause I might have to buy a new laptop and I was like, well, my, my laptop's from 2018. It's a nice laptop. It cost a couple grand. It's not a bad laptop, but I'm like all of my, revenue, my YouTube, my income, my live streams, it's all dependent on this beast of a computer. And it's like, if you drove a Toyota Camry, but then you got a really nice gig that required you to have a payload, you'd have to buy a truck. And part of that's kind of like what, what we talk about in life is like leveling up and understanding sometimes what might on paper look like a bad financial decision might be the right thing for you. Like I have a buddy I have a buddy who, and it's it's kind of like the old coffee thing. Like my mom, my my mom kind of came up with a, a scarcity mindset, you know, like most people did. Parents of like you know war veterans and whatever They, you know, she was always like, you know, my mom would uh, make us uh, eight, you know, a, a, eight kids would get one can of tuna fish for lunch, and it's like, great, mom, that's nice, but I'm chubby and I need more. Uh, but um, you know, she was, you know, the the whole like idea, like, well, if you don't have a coffee every day and you put that into an investment. When you turn 65, it's like boring. How about set yourself up with all the tools that you need to not be relying on other people. And this goes, this goes hand in hand with relationships as it does with your business. It's about building equity in yourself. So in a relationship, you don't want to put all your stock in the other person. You want to be self-reliant. Not to say like you're not going to invest in them too and they're not a good person, but you want to be able to take root on your own and then it's almost like you want to be able to plant your own tree so that you can give your relationship the fruits of your labor. That's exactly what you want to do. And you want to do that in your money making world too. You want to be, you want to make sure that some bloke can't just fire you because he doesn't like you for some reason. You want to cover your ass and make sure you're valuable in a relationship and, or in your single life. And at work, you want to make sure you provide enough value where people should want to be with you. They should want to come to your birthday. They should want to support your endeavors because you provide value to them as, as a friend, as a lover, as a business partner. And that's kind of what I think in part we preach on the podcast is how do you become so undeniable? And, you know, I'll, I'll read in a little bit some of the Reddit questions I get that are uh, dating and sex related, which it's always good to talk about that. That's always fun. But you know, I, I was, um, recapping, for those that follow my Bachelor content, not everyone who listens to podcasts follows The Bachelor, but obviously The Bachelor's blown up. I talk about it every episode. Um, There's a guy named Jason Tartik. He is engaged to Caitlin Bristow. They are a very successful Bachelor nation couple. They met actually on a podcast about The Bachelor, even though they weren't on the same season. They just got engaged and, and all that jazz. Well, he had Dean Unglert on the show, who's also a Bachelor guy. And Dean talked about, they were breaking down Dean buying a van, Dean bought a van for $27,000 and then put, and then spent 20,000 more dollars to renovate it. Let's just round that up to $50,000. So Dean spent $50,000 on this van and Jason, who's the, he, you know, he's Jason Tartik is the, uh, investor kind of bro. And he's like, well, did it pay off? Did you get your money's worth out of the van? You were, you were able to save in rent and this and that. And, and Dean said, you know what? It didn't pay off with the money I was able to save in rent, but what it did was it branded Dean as the van guy. It gave him a niche that was different and buzzworthy within the Bachelor crowd of a bunch of bros with nice hair and tank tops. So he showed up to Bachelor in Paradise, which is like the dating show, with a kind of grungy mustache, long hair, and he's living out of a van. Now, the idea of living out of a van used to be an idea we would like make fun of people for. Like, oh, that guy's living out of a van. Well, wow, he's really lost it. But now it's something like us old millennials have aspired to have, van life. Part of that, I believe, is they wanting to explore the unknown and not being tethered to a property and this and that, absolutely. The other part is the fact that rents are so damn high. If you can't buy a home and then you're renting, it's like, what's the point? With Tasha, with our rent, we could buy a van in cash and just be gone and be out of here. But of course, you know, the van life. I believe the van life would be a good a good uh, thing to have as a, uh, you know, not uh, in addition to a place to live. Because I mean, some, you know, he bought he bought the van thinking he was going to be single. Immediately he goes on bachelor in paradise, falls in love, and now he's got a girlfriend. Who's like, so wait a second, the van's kind of like a thing, right? Like we don't actually live there. We get a hotel. We, you know, he's like, no, no, the vans. I live in the van. So it's it's. But the idea of how much it's hard to quantify how much money that van paid dean because if you think about it his whole career the whole butterfly effect of what's come from that you can't go backwards and no. i mean maybe he wouldn't have gotten the next bachelor maybe you know and so jason immediately knew when when dean was talking about the branding of the van he, he immediately knew oh yeah your following went up absolutely everything of course you just became worth so much more to potential sponsors and this and that and we all kind of like, I guess the idea in life, it's like, how, f- how do you find what your van life is? How do you find what it is that brings you joy, that differentiates you from the pack? And again, not to harp on it, but it's the same thing in your business as it is in your personal life. What's going to separate you from all the other jabronis when you walk into a bar? What's going to separate you when you're in a uh, you know dating world that's ultra competitive that gives you the upper edge and i don't mean to look look at it in some sort of like hitchian way where it's like uh so, like uh you know like i've got some friends who were were you know so obviously would get into a certain uh niche because they wanted to please women and and it and it, it all kind of boils down to that like you want to you want respect you want to be a uh, you know uh you know have your own community and you want to be able to catch somebody's eye. Uh, But you need to find a way to do that authentically with something you love. It's like people that start a YouTube channel, only start a podcast or YouTube channel and talk about things that you love because it will quickly turn into work. Now, it's gonna be work regardless. But if you love what you're doing, editing that video till 3 a.m., doing this, doing that, traveling, whatever it is, if you love doing it, a van conversion. If you love doing it, it will be the juice will be worth the squeeze. So just a reminder to all of you, as I remind myself, that the only life worth living is. Is one where you enjoy and truly love at least a portion of what it is that you do. You might be a people person, not love the product. Maybe you just sell, you know, stamps, but you love the, you know, you love the company that sells the stamps. So you get enough of that love well-filled through the actual um, sort of creative uh, work that you do there. You know, it's 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 you know, we talk about the love language, but that's what it applies to. It applies to your business. You know, a lot of times, you know, it, it is nice for the people that can separate their work from their play and their business and put it away. But in a lot of times it becomes an identity of who you are, you know, at least, at least where I live, everyone who's got a gig, every side hustle everyone has, it's an, it's a piece of who they are. And imagine not loving that to the fullest. You know, I actually, you know, pretty much stumbled upon, I'm not, I'm not saying this to give myself too much credit, but I, I think I, I think I created a niche that just didn't exist in the world and I'll, and I'll, and I'll tell you the bachelor news, it's not a big crowd. You know, I got 30,000 subscribers. My goal is to get, get that to a hundred thousand this year. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. It's not a huge crowd, but I was, I, I truly enjoy politics. I watch a few progressive news channels and I see how they operate their business online. I see how they'll like, you know, watch a Fox news video, break it down, share their side, the rebuttal and I, and I kind of started to figure out how to do that on my own. And I told Tasha last night, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I've kind of just hacked uh, and ripped off how these guys do their news, and I apply it to uh, Bachelor News and Entertainment. And she was like, well, don't say you ripped them off. They inspired you. And it's like, okay, well, yes, inspired. I've been inspired to merge several worlds, the world of, um, you know, I would say social dynamic, uh, human condition, politics, progressive issues, you know, fighting for a fight of equality, which you know, very, very basic stuff, you know, you know, just, I think, I think very basic stuff. And how do you apply that to a TV show that's about a couple of people trying to, uh, you know, crack some Harrisons in a TP? And the idea is, well, the people are the, they're the talking point. They're the common denominator. It's the water cooler. So if you can find, you know, whatever you guys do, whatever you, whatever brings you joy in life, if you can find a, um, like say you love bodybuilding, right? Is there, a, is there like a daily bodybuilding show? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Maybe. And, it's, and it's, it's nothing new. I'm not taking credit for it all. It's Wayne's World, right? It's public access TV. It's bringing it home to you. And like every day you have a new bodybuilder that shares an inspirational quote or what they do. And if you're into bodybuilding, you love bodybuilding and you love entertainment, well, you start your own bodybuilding channel and just make content. And what I learned is the people didn't start showing up. They didn't start hitting the subscribe button until they knew every day there's going to be content for them. And you know like I said I was t- Tosh and I talk about this all the time and it's like I don't want to go crazy making content every day, but if I can streamline the process of the things I don't like to do, which is the post production, the editing, if I can streamline that in by, like I like last night. I had to I had to spend 150 bucks on this tool that'll sit on my desk and it's I think it's got 16 buttons and one button's for Twitter, one's for Instagram, one's for Patreon, one's for my you know my yeah different uh, websites. And you literally eat you hit the button and a graphic pops up. It's the most archaic thing that it's a physical button I gotta press. But if I'm doing things live, it's better for me to invest hundreds of dollars. In different tools, then have to spend the time later. So it's it's about like finding, um, you know, finding uh, how much your time's worth, and then finding tools that can help free up that time. I don't know. Does this make sense? Is this is this interesting to anybody? I don't know. But so that's that's kind of some behind the scenes of what's going on with the channel, and it is the off season for the Bachelor for two more weeks. There's been some petty little gossipy news here and there. But, you know, I had exponential growth January, February, March, and even April was still um, wildly successful. May, st- what you know, it, it, it that cut in half. The revenue cut directly in half. And I've just, like I said, I just have to operate with the belief that when the show comes back, people will know where to find me and I have to be ready. If on some random Thursday, someone's like, Oh, what's Dave got to say about this? They got to show up to my channel and see that I've got content out. And I do love talking about it. I do love talking about the breakups, the communication issues, even the finances behind the different, uh, the different uh, aspects of the show. So as long as that's something I enjoy, um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay working hard at it. And I've been so blessed to have this opportunity. Like, Tasha's even considering quitting her jobs, the, the ones that don't provide her that, that true love. And like, you know, cause Tasha's it been in a sort of, you know, almost the opposite scenario that I was in where I wasn't making any money doing what I love. Tasha's making money doing something that's got no creative value. She, she loves other aspects of the modeling world, but the fit modeling doesn't have much creative value. And, And I remember talking to her months ago before any of my videos went viral. I remember talking to her months ago and I was like, what would you do if I had a gigantic following and I could funnel people to you? Like, what business would you open up if I could provide you an audience willing to support you? Because I know that's what can happen. If you got a million followers, X X percent of them will show up to buy your sock merchandise or whatever it is you want to do. And I think... um, I think we came up with like how fun it would be to go like to thrift shops and find vintage shirts and turn those into, um, uh, like, like scrunchies, you know, like just make like a vintage scrunchie line or something, something very specific. Cause she's got her fashion world. And, you know, I think, I think for her, it would be so beneficial to do something and know like, all right, I got to make 28 scrunchies today and know that, Oh shoot, that's you know, you know, whatever. And then me, and then eventually getting to a, a place where you don't even have to produce them. You're just like, not necessarily drop shipping, but like you've got a line and people are going to buy it and you're going to live your life. And, you know, that's where we're wondering, like the next phase. What kind of job can we do while we raise a child? What job, type of job can Tasha do? Maybe from home, you know, where she can run her social media, but also we can raise a child. And if she needs to go out and do a yoga class from two to four, are the kids in the in the office? As I'm, you know, uh, politely uh, making a, vi- a video. Like the, we we have the power and benefit to work from home. Now it's about capturing as many people and. Just, just months ago, before the pandemic, I was just in a place where that wasn't a reality. And through the good graces of you folks and the people over at YouTube, people kept showing up to watch content. Not everyone's a home run. You know, perfection's the enemy of good. But they keep showing up. And if they want to watch five videos, I want to have six. Now, of course... I've had to think about how do I sustain this? Because during the season, sometimes I'm up till two, three in the morning and then up at 6 a.m. the next day because you got to strike while the iron's hot. So how do you sustain um, the traffic Be timely because a lot of it's very timely with the content. Like, you got to be on top of it. You got to make the video as soon as news breaks. You know, if you're on top of it, it's the difference between catching the wave and not catching the wave. You might get 100,000 views, but if you upload that a few hours later, you might only get 3,000. And there's a big difference there in how much you're going to make. So, the questions that we have and we're posing, it's like, how can we best provide ourselves the forum to grow, to fly, to soar? And I challenge you guys to ask yourself those same questions. How can you best provide yourself the tools you need to soar? It might not seem practical to buy the $800 doodad, you know, and again, by all means, you, money is not always the answer throwing money at, like I always say, well, if people want to get into vlogs, you got an iPhone, you got, you got a droid, you're ready to vlog. You got iMovie, get into it before you spend any money. Learn the, learn the tools. It's almost like film class. Uh, you know they they don't I don't think they they I don't think they do this anymore. But they used to teach students how to edit on film, which is literally like copying and pasting, like in real life, cutting and taping film together and shooting on film. I I'm pretty sure they stopped st- teaching that in film class. But the idea is it's like wax on, wax off. You got to teach the basics. You got to know the basics of the story you want to tell before you can get into the complex stuff. And it's about building from the ground up. And I think without, without realizing that, without having that be my strategy, by learning how to edit, I now I no longer have to do it, uh, you know, because I'm shooting, I shoot a lot of things live. I still edit my vlogs and all that, but by learning how to do certain things, I now no longer have to do that. I've learned, um, I've learned, uh, ways to get around certain things and ways to tell my story or I don't you Like it's, it's, um, it's all about just whatever, whatever tools you can build around your company, around your industry, Around whatever creative story you want to tell. Say, say you say you're an author. You might not want, you, you know, you might not be able to afford an illustrator. But if you got a short project, there's stock photos you can buy. You know, you can sign up for one of those uh, websites that'll that'll draw the cartoons for you. And it's like, and it, and you can kind of tell your story that way. And, you know, it's a weird example, but you can find ways to use the internet. Find ways to use. Uh, all the tools to to enrich your story and enrich the part that you want to share with the world. Gone are the days where someone gives you an advance to go write a book. Not until you've proven yourself. Gone are the days that someone's going to give me money to go do something. I got to show the proof of concept that there's an audience there and then and then the negotiation can begin. All right. I don't know. That was just... Nice little 22-minute rant I went on there. But I, I hope it made sense for you guys. I tell you what, let me do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch over to... Uh, let's do this. I'm going to switch over to... Uh, I'm going to play a quick stinger so I can take a sip of my coffee and then we'll get into these Reddit questions. Oh, yeah. That's nice. That's very nice. All right. Let's get right into it. I've got five Reddit questions Oh, this is a good one. Here's a good one. If you're watching on the YouTube, hopefully you can see this. Uh, let me see if I can enlarge it a little bit. Wait till you see. Go to my Instagram and wait till you see this new setup I got. I got my laptop on mounted on this pole, and then I've got this monitor coming up, so I'll have two screens. Like I'm basically like I'm a stock reporter. Stock reporter is that even a thing? Like, a, like I'm in stocks. My blooming Bloomberg uh, sort of uh, computer setup here all right seeing posts berating short dudes all over the internet is really getting my confidence down all right this one's about short men. trigger warning this is for short men and their confidence i used to feel as a guy who's five foot six that the types of dudes who complained about this tended to be angry women hating types with no self-awareness Men have never been oppressed in the way women have. They've never had their sexuality stripped from them, haven't had as much intense pressure to live up to beauty standards, don't get harassed and sexualized constantly from a young age like women. As a short guy myself, I've always felt it's not my place to complain because while I've been treated differently before for being short, girls I've been really into have told me they don't want to date me even though I'm great, then talked in other conversations about how they would never date a guy shorter than them. Guys tend to not take me seriously and instantly feel like they can make jokes at my expense. It's never really impacted my life all that much. And it's more just been something I learned to compensate with over time by being the funny one and not letting it get to me. But then I saw a post on Twitter that made me despair. I can't link it here, but essentially a dude postin- posted saying, where's my short king men five for seven and under at? And a load of short guys replied to it and stuff trying to post pics and show off and be proud of themselves. I've seen similar successful posts for all kinds of people. The thing is, in this case, at least half of the people quoting these tweets were simply making fun of these dudes for being proud of themselves, saying shit like, nobody wants to see this, stop embarrassing yourselves, blocking these fucking midgets. I, p- I promise you no girl is scrolling through this thread of boys. They look like they all got beat up by their wives, etc. There were some people there defending short dudes, but the posts getting the most likes and attention were by and large ones absolutely berating these short guys for having the audacity to have a bit of body positivity. That That shit makes me fucking sick. And it's far from just a few bad eggs doing it. These people think that it's perfectly acceptable, and the thing is, it kind of is socially. And posts like this are far from rare. Now, I'm not saying short men are in any way oppressed and historically abused the way women, trans people, fat people, etc. are, but if any of those groups got that kind of negative attention these days, I just know someone would rightly go viral in coming to their defense. I know we have fucking assholes who happily give these groups abuse, but it's rightly not socially acceptable anymore to make fun of these people for their bodies. So why is it seemingly a free-for-all on short dudes? And the thing is, my old attitude towards guys who complain about this, that they just hate women, that they have a Napoleon complex, etc., is exactly the kind of shit that makes this worse. Short dudes who complain about it aren't taken seriously or are told to shut the fuck up. It's different for other groups. It's not that deep, etc., and are expected to see shit like this and just roll with the punches. For a long time, I accepted that. It's really fucked up to see so many guys openly berating dudes shorter than them just to feel superior superior over an arbitrary measurement. And it's just as fucked up to see women openly take the piss out of short dudes and openly voice that they're repulsive to cries of, yes, queen, go off. If you're not attracted to short guys, that's totally fine. You can't control that, obviously. But have some fucking basic respect for your fellow human beings and don't drag them down. And I know there's plenty of good women out there who would never act like this. And I know there's plenty of dudes who are never going to try one up or a guy for his height. I'm friends with these people. I know they're out there, but this isn't a small amount of people doing this. This is a large amount who think for whatever reason that this kind of shit is perfectly acceptable, but it's okay to laugh at the very idea of short guys being proud of their bodies. I personally have never had much luck with women. I've always had to be the joker in every situation in the approachable, open, funny dude. And I always thought this was just my personality, but lately I've started to realize I ended up how I am as a way to get by because I'm short. And all the other shit, confidence issues I've had my whole life, people pleasing, etc., which I all thought was just facets of who I am that I didn't like, are all also kind of tied in around it too. It can hurt dudes seeing this just like it could hurt anyone else on the planet. People really need to wise the fuck up and take it more seriously when someone, anyone, tells you to stop having a free-for-all on someone for their body or the way they live their lives. The internet really brings out the worst in people. Well, that's quite the rant you had there. I'm out of breath from reading it. You're not wrong at all. You're not wrong at all that, uh, I mean, because, you know, if anyone's been on, you know, if anyone's been on Tinder in in their past, it's been years since I've been on it, but, you know, it's easy to see people's, you know, women's posts making fun of short guys and saying six foot up only. And, you know, it brings a question to people. You know, people have the right to choose what type of, partner they want. Absolutely. I, we had a friend in college. I'm guilty of it myself. Literally the fraternity nicknamed my roommate fetus because he was five foot three. So that they, that was the nickname they give him. And the poor guy, you know, he just fought, he fought like hell. And the more you fight the nickname, the more it sticks, you know, and it was, it's a bummer. And you know, I'm guilty of being a part of that. And you look at, and you look at it now in hindsight and you go, yeah, man, it's like, You know, privilege is something you're born with. So whether it's your skin color, your uh, gender, your height, you know, your attractiveness, uh, wealth that you were born into, that's a privilege. And by being short as a man, it is different than being short as a woman because the values are just different. Men are expected to be a provider, all these things that, you know, kind of sound like some sort of like archaic thing there because we don't live in a world where you know, you need to be tall, you know, we don't live in a world where you got to see over the grass before the lion gets you or whatever, you know, whatever we needed before. But we live in a world where the average CEO is taller and gets that, you know, leg up, no pun intended, uh, the competition. So I understand the plight and I don't have an answer for you because all things considered, you know, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. But I guess just learning to live with. Learning to live with the fact that your your lack of height is has carved out these other skills for you that others might not have. And and that's kind of like, you know, you got the Jeff Bezos in the world, you got the you, Kevin Hart, you know? Kevin Hart's tiny. You got these guys in the world that they, they evolve, they learn to thrive in a way that, you know, height doesn't become a factor. And that's kind of like what you have to think about with, with yourself is is like rather than hating that you've gained a sense of humor because because you're short just understand you've been provided the opportunity to let these other aspects of your identity thrive i mean it's i don't know if that's a good way to look at it but that's really all you can do at this point all right this is from a 24 year old male he says i think i'm going to ask this girl from work out and my immediate thought is oh boy i hope you're prepared to not work there anymore (laughs) There's this girl, Lindsay, I know from work that I think I'm going to ask out. I'm a mailman and I met this girl on my route. I see her every morning when I stop at this gas station to get a cup of coffee. It's a Sheets station, one of the ones where they serve food too. This girl works in the part where they make the food. A while back, I was wait. This sounds like a rom-com, by the way. A while back, I was waiting in line to pay for my coffee, and I noticed her looking at me. She has these really pretty brown eyes. I nodded to her, and she kind of looked away like she was embarrassed, but I started waving to her every morning. We really just waved to each other every morning for a while. Then one day, she was outside taking a break, I guess, and she told me to have a great day. After that, she's been coming out from behind the counter every morning to say hi to me. I can't get over those big brown eyes. With her having a mask on, they're all I see, and they're awesome. So yesterday, when I went to get my coffee, they had a sign that said, if you got your vaccine, you don't need to wear a mask inside. So I went in without it. Once I got in the line with my coffee, she came right out to say hi and said it, to, and said it was nice to see me with my mask. Then she said, very cute. Then she told me my coffee was on her. So I think I'm going to ask her out pretty soon here. I really don't want to do it in the middle of this place full of customers. So I think I'm going to ask her when she takes her lunch break. Then maybe I'll meet her out for lunch over there and ask again and ask then. All right, you're a mailman. Here's my idea you got to write a, you got to leave, you got to give her a letter. You got to give her a letter that says, Would you be interested in going out with me? If not, no worries. If yes, fantastic and then give her a little box that says yes and a box that says no and then a box that says maybe sell me on where you want to go like whatever and then you just hand it to her and you go oh it looks looks like i've got some mail delivered today and you just give it to her on your way out and just say you know uh you know what you know so, something what i i don't know i think that's a play on it and if and if uh if if you don't hear back from her just pretend like she never got the letter And that means she's being nice to you because she's at a place of work. And you have to remember that people, you know, even though, you know, she sees you at work, it might be nice for her to see a friendly face. You know, they probably see drifters and people, random people all day long. It it might be nice for her to see a friendly face, but she's not into a relationship. We just don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm down for hearing an update on this. Absolutely. All right. Here's another one. Ghosted after four months. That's a, Four months is over the threshold of when you should be ghosted. Ghosting should happen in the first month only. Not that it should be something that's done, but I feel like in the first month, you know, there's some issues. But four months is... That's a long time. I know there are plenty of people who find ghosting acceptable or necessary for whatever reason. But after four months, being that we are grown and established adults, I don't understand how someone can spend that amount of time with another person and be so disrespectful. I don't need excuses or even an explanation as to why said person doesn't want to date anymore. But a simple acknowledgement of what is, is the only decent thing to do. People need to stop being so self-centered and acknowledge that the people you draw into your life may need closure, even if it is in a very simple way, very disappointing. Uh, Non-negotiable, that ghosting listen maybe you maybe you ghost someone like you don't respond to them fine but if the person says like hey um by the way are we good whatever you can't you know like at that point you got to be like hey look I, I you know I don't think it's gonna work out this happened to me where I was kind of like ghosted on for like for like several weeks and I finally was like hey what's the deal you know like I'd rather at some point after several weeks you'd rather look crazy and want answers, then just move on. It's like, are you dead? Did you die? What what the hell happened? You know? My ghosting story was funny because it was like, it was like so easy to get over the relationship once I got the closure. But for like a month there, I never heard back. And I was like, um, like, you know, email, uh, text, uh, left a voicemail. And I'm not saying like every day I'm calling her, but it's like you give someone five, seven days to respond. It's like, hello you know, like, what are we doing here? Do you not, do you see me as subhuman? Do you not see like the basic respect to get back to me? So I totally understand. And when you say that people are, um, some people are acceptable of ghosting. I don't think anyone's acceptable of ghosting. I think people do it, but I don't think they want it done to them. So that brings back the old principle. Do unto others, ghost unto others, as you will have others ghost unto you. How long does it take you before you kiss someone? That's a good question. I know there's no fixed timeline for most people, but I'm curious to know how long it takes you before you kiss someone on average or feel free to give a range. Asking this because I'm on two extremes depending on who I'm seeing. For people I want no strings attached with within hours of meeting them. For people I'm actually interested in and can imagine a future with, I wait months after we hang out as friends. I don't even make other sort of physical contact. First of all, months is crazy. Um, yeah, I think as early as it's going to sound crazy, but I think as early as like 15 minutes, like, like I could see a scenario where you're out at the bars, you're having a good night. The night's later, you meet somebody if there's strong eye contact and you're dancing around. Yeah. I could see someone kissing that soon, but you're right that in that case, it would probably be less, uh, romantic and more kind of just, um, you know, people that are DTF, but the whole couple months things crazy. I would think at the, you know, you would think you wouldn't want to lose somebody, you know, you'd want to show, you would want to let them know, like to keep pursuing you. And I think, you know, I can see that if you only want to do like a kiss, no making out, that's, uh, that obviously shows signs of like interest, but you know, at some point you need to escalate it. And I feel like so many people play mind games where like, I love this person so much that, that I'm not going to do the thing that people who love each other do. It's like, well, do you love? Do you love her? If you love them, don't you want to kiss them? Don't you want to whatever? What if this person thinks they're in the friend zone? Like, what do you do if you're not making any physical contact to show them that they're the one? You know, I mean, I could see, I could see if you're dating someone new and you're like, hey, what, listen, I like you, I just like to take it slow, and if you give the person the clues that you're still into them, at least they're like, okay, she wants to take it slow, fine, no big deal, you know. But some people are weird. Some people will literally will will we'll bang you before they kiss you, you know? To, to different people, intimacy is different. So it really comes down to what um, your situation, but, you know, make sure you're at least communicating your attraction to someone because then you're just playing games. All right, we're on to the last one here. I'm going to read this one and then we'll call it a day here. Um, let's read this one. Did I do the right thing to avoid sex if she didn't want me to wear protection? This is from a man. Last night, I was hooking up with a friend's sister. She made it clear she didn't want a relationship, so it was supposed to be a fling. Problem is that she said she can't have children. She's 42 and I'm 31, and was expecting us to have sex without a condom. I declined, and well, the night ended pretty badly. We haven't spoken since. I feel pretty bad about not having sex when she was clearly expecting it, but I don't know her. Not really sure if I made the right decision. All right, so without like uh, throwing one gender under the bus here, um, people can get very offended if, if they want to have sex without a condom and you want to use protection because what you're implying is that, I don't believe you are clean. Like that's the, that's like the stigma there, right? Like, oh, like, you know, you know, we've all been in those scenarios where like someone's like, come on, I'm on birth control or come on. And then there's been plenty of scenarios where the man will try to convince the women to not use the condom. And that's also like, you know, not, that's not great. Just like respect what, you know, agree, agree to the safest option you both want if one person wants to have protection, then you agree to protection. Uh, but I will say, you know, that it is probably more rare for a woman, especially, you know, I would say this probably an older woman. I would say the the longer, the longer, again, let me know if you think this is different. This is just, uh, my, my hypothesis here, but the older you get, the less protection you probably want to use. You know, you probably, it probably becomes less of a, worry like if she doesn't think she can have a baby or whatever but you know it's probably rare that she gets a guy who's not willing to have the unprotected sex if you know what i mean but then people posted that she you know the fact she was angry about your boundaries is a huge red flag i've had past partners who preferred raw obviously but never shamed me or was angry about wearing protection i had one man say if wearing a condom is all that stands between me and sex why the hell would i choose no sex over wearing wearing the damn condom Honestly, it sounds like it was a trap. I have known plenty of women who have gotten pregnant in their forties. Let's not even go there with, if she was going to go raw with you, who she barely knows how many other people would jump at the opportunity to go raw with her. And she would encourage it. You dodged a bullet for sure. Um, Yep. Yeah, so that's it folks. I mean, yeah, that's a couple of interesting questions that we had there. So uh, those were pulled from the Reddit dating and sex subreddits which is where we like to get our questions from but I wanted to give a shout out I'm not going to read names off right now um, but I wanted to give a shout out to all the new patreon members you know what what let's do it let's read names let me just make sure I turn off my um, display capture for people so I don't give away any uh I don't want to I want to make sure I don't give away any uh emails here as I pull up the patreon but may has been crazy we went from 20 like two patreon members to 61. That's insane, folks. That is life-changing. It's amazing. I appreciate all of you guys so, so much. Um, I want to remind people, when you do sign up for the Patreon, every membership tier gets all of the media. Um, The $12 membership tier is called like postcard group. You get a postcard. Everyone gets a welcome postcard. It's really a symbolic thing, folks. If you sign up for the $50 tier, you get a box of homemade soap from us. That's a one-time thing. So if you signed up for the member for the soap tier, uh, just know that it's a one-time thing and you can go back down to a lower level membership the next month. You can go back down to the five or eight or 12. It's really just a, a way for people to donate, um, you know, in whatever way you see fit. There's also, you can just donate a custom amount. If you want to give a custom amount every month, uh, you you know, be my guest. That's absolutely an option you can do. Um, but I do have postcards going out to all the new Patreon members. We have some in Canada, uh, Germany, uh, Gabby. I thought I sent you one earlier. Maybe it got lost. Uh, I, I send out postcards last every month, but um, we had an issue with last month. So anyway, here are all the new members that joined. I thank you guys so much. I'm just going to go with first names here. Leanne, and, and notice the women are coming through big. You can tell who's been watching the uh, YouTube. Here are the new Patreon members. Thank you guys so much, Leanne, Kimberly, Jessica. Should I do like Patreon music? Let's see if I can get some Patreon music here. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see what I got here. How about this? Uh, some, uh, you know, s- some nice bluegrass or something. All right. Here's a Patreon music. Leanne, Kimberly, Jessica, Joanna, Robin, Sarai, Sarah, Ashen, Kirsten, Natalie, Karen. Teresa, Anne, Bethany, Francine, Susan, Rachel, Alexis, Judy, Michaela, Aaron, April, Megan, Laura, Carla, Sol, Luis, Karen, Sharon, and Janine. Those are the May Patreon members that joined and everyone else that's been a member of the Patreon. I thank you guys so much. It really truly adds up. Um, full disclosure. Yeah. I mean, 61 Patreon members, this is, this is money we put back into the podcast, all the new, the new laptop and gear. I'm going to, I just got this $400 microphone, which, you know, you might not notice the difference on your end, but it does provide, you know, there is something about having a microphone that's super professional. The other microphones that I had, you, you guys remember, I've always been sort of like trying to uh, cure the ground noise. There's always something going on here. So I just said, you know what? I want to do this as professional as possible. So we've got the Shure SM7B mic, which is the $400 mic. I'm going to be buying another one for Tasha. So we both are on the same um, audio wavelengths. And uh, the new laptop, the new monitor, you know, ways that we're trying to share our story. So as we said in the beginning of the podcast, just remember whatever broadcast tools you need to create whatever brand it is you've got, Just know to do your work, Google it, find what people are using, find what the professionals are using, and the world is yours and everything that is in it. And you got what it takes to make it all happen. Uh, You've, you know, so I encourage you guys to share with me, let me know on social media or whatever, what, um, what, uh, what you're striving to do. And, and I, uh, I hope you, I hope you appreciate, you know, kind of when I share what it is we're doing just to kind of show proof of concept. Like, hey, folks, people are doing this stuff. And I would love, I would love nothing more than to hear from you guys. Let me know what might add value to you with regards to the, um, the podcast, solo episodes, what what works, what you like. Please, I mean, yeah, sure it might dent my ego a little bit, but I'd love to know if there's if like if if like 30 people wrote in and were like, Dave, we hate when you answer the stupid Reddit questions. I'd be like, okay, all right, all right, we'll find someone else. Like I would love to know some feedback. So please let me know. And um, let's see, that's it for me. Everyone have a good one. And if you want to join the Patreon, we got new episodes every week and you can find all the info to that in the description of the videos. And of course, YouTube and all that jazz. You can watch those if you're on the Patreon. I will see you guys later. Bye now.